0: Got your Bibles. We're going to be in Luke chapter 9 again today, looking at verses 57 through 62. And if you would like to use the Bibles there in the pews in front of you, it's page 868 in those Bibles Luke 9 57 through 62. It's a fairly familiar passage to a lot of us. It's familiar not only in reading in Scripture, but it's familiar in the attitudes that it expresses and what we we know from our own hearts. Luke begins in verse 57, it says, as they were going along the road, that is Jesus and the disciples, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests for the kingdom of God. These are my vice grips. I bought these a a long time ago. And I've had them for many, many, many years. And I use them a lot. I use them to fix things. It's a a really cool tool. As far as vice grips go, it's kind of like a C-clamp vice grip. It's really great for for fixing stuff. Uh, For example... Uh, I had a recliner at one time, and then Connor took it away from me. Um, Connor decided he loved the recliner more than I did, and that's where he began sleeping and living. And, uh, and after a while, I, I really didn't want to touch the recliner <laughs> anymore. Um, but the handle on the side broke, you know, and so it wouldn't recline or, or unrecline anymore. It just was kind of stuck. And so I used these to fix it. You know what I did? I took this and I put it on the mechanism down there on the side and then I used it as the handle and it worked. I fixed it. And I said to Trish, there, I fixed it. For a while. Because of course it doesn't stay attached. And after a while it worked its way loose and I had to fix it all over again. Things are like that. There's a a lot of times when we can fix things Uh, but there's other times when I fixed it doesn't mean that I really fixed it. It, it, I fixed it with this is a bad idea. If you're sitting on an airplane and you're there waiting to to go down the runway and you notice that the wing is kind of wobbly and you see an airplane mechanic walk out with one of these and then, you know, clamp it on, get, get off that plane. You know, that's, that's not some place you want to be. That that's not fixed. If you wake up from heart surgery, you have heart surgery, and you wake up and, and you say to the doctor, what, What's this? And he says, I fixed it. <laughs> that's a that's a bad doctor. Don't go to that kind of a doctor. There's some stuff you can't you just can't fix. Some stuff requires more than just our ability to repair. And, that's my concern when it comes to following Jesus and going where Jesus is going. In a lot of ways, we think it's something we have to fix. we got to fix it before we can follow Jesus. I want to follow, but I need to take care of some stuff first. I need to fix a few things before I can follow You. I need to get my life straightened out. And so we tell Jesus, I'll follow, but i got to get out of debt first. I got to, I'll follow, but i got to get out of this I've got to get over this hump first. I'll follow, but I need to get out of this addiction. I need to get out of this bad relationship. I need to do this. I need to do that before I will follow you. Before we'll say yes to Jesus. That's, that's the problem. Once I fix these problems, then I will follow. But the problem is, we never get them fixed. That's the problem with these three stories that we read about here in Luke chapter 9. People had to fix things first. One man says, I want to go and and bury my father first. Or I need to go back and I need to say goodbye to my family first. I need to fix these problems and then I will follow you. And then there's the man who says, I'll follow you wherever you go. And then Jesus says, really? Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but I have no place to lay my head. Well, I I have a place to lay my head. You have a place to lay your head. You know, we we have homes. We take care of people. We give people homes. Did people get homes. Did, did we fix that? Did we fix it so that no one has an excuse anymore to not follow Jesus? We can't fix it. There are problems that that we can't fix. There are problems that that we can't we can't make it easier for people to follow Jesus. This past Wednesday night in our Wednesday night group together, we're looking at. The study called the Christian Atheist, when I believe in God, but I live like He's not really there. That's the whole point of the Christian. We had a great discussion and a great group. Thank you for all those of you who came. We had a great time together. But one of the statistics that we saw was that a recent Gallup poll indicates that 94% of all American adults, 94% believe in God. That's great. 94% believe in God. Are 94% following God? Are 94% of people following God though? That's the issue here. That's what this passage is all about. It's not something we can fix. It's a heart issue. And heart issues can't be fixed with, with vice grips. These heart issues won't go away just because well, 94% of us believe in God. We must be a Christian nation. These heart issues won't go away because our culture is different or our world is different. Our hearts are the same. Remember Luke chapter 9 is when it all changes. Luke chapter 9 is when Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. Luke chapter 9 verse verse 23 is where Jesus says, "If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me." You can't just fix that. These issues can't be fixed. They have to be lived out. Following Jesus is not a a problem to be solved. It's a commitment to be lived. I'm sorry I I can't make following Jesus any easier for you. It's a commitment you have to live out. It's a commitment that says this world cannot hold my attention. That's what this commitment says. This world cannot hold my attention. Now, now I have a home. And and you have a home. We have some place to lay our heads. We're told in the Gospels that Jesus spent time in Peter's home. He preached in Peter's home. He healed people in Peter's home. So Peter had a home. A little later in, in the next chapter, Jesus goes to the home of Mary and Martha, two of His followers, two of His friends. So they had homes. So is it wrong that we, that we have homes? Now, home isn't the issue here in verse 58 when Jesus says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place Nowhere to lay his head. That's not the issue. The issue isn't that that we we have a home. It's, It's about our hearts. What are we really committing to when we say, I will follow Jesus? You hear it in the man's statement. He says there in verse 57, I will follow you wherever you go. Really? Wherever? Wherever I go? Do you have any idea what you're signing up for? Do you have any idea what that means? At at the heart of it, in its simplest terms, following Jesus means that you're not going to follow the world. In in its simplest terms, following Jesus means you're not going to run after the things of the world. You're not going to put devotion in, in the stuff of this world. Jesus says also, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, right? I thought about that this last week. I thought about it. As I watched two TV preachers talk about why they needed their jet airplanes, now I get it. I just want to make sure I'm not preaching to the choir. How many of you guys have jet airplanes? Anybody here? I don't have. I don't. Alyssa, you got a jet? No. Okay. No one's got a jet. Steve's got one. He's like, mm, I got one. You guys don't have jets? Oh, God. you don't know what you're missing out on. You gotta have a jet everybody's got a jet. But I watched these two preachers talk about why they needed their jet airplanes. And if I understood, there were a lot of reasons, but as I listened to them, one of the things they said was they had to have their own jets because commercial airplanes are full of demons. They they said, you don't want to get in that big metal tube full of demons. Now, I've flown on a lot of big metal tubes. I've been on a lot of airplanes. I've never seen a demon. I think I've smelled some while I was on it. I've never seen any. I think maybe I've smelled a few, but they said you know they needed that because commercial airplanes are, are not are they all full of demons. The other reason, one of the other reasons they need they need their own jets is because you can't pray in coach. <laughs> you can't pray on a on a regular airplane. I beg to differ. <laughs> I I don't know how airplanes work. I pray every time I get on one because I don't know how they work. Have you ever flown into Denver? Denver, it's like the air is just awful and it bump and jump back. You know, you sit there and you try to look cool, but inside you're, you know, you're praying and fasting right then and there. You know, Lord, take, you know, just please hold this thing together. And you know, so you, you do a lot of praying flying into Denver. But the the one of the guys actually said, and, and this was the part that just got me, he said he needed a jet because he needs a place to sleep. He said that. He said he needed a jet. needs his own jet because he needs a place to sleep. And I was working on this sermon and I was thinking about this verse. Foxes have holes. Birds of the air. They have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay His head. Son of Man doesn't have a jet. Jesus doesn't have a jet to lay His head. But you know, I... I can't think about those things. I can't think about guys like that without feeling a little convicted myself. Without looking at the things in my life also. There may not be jets. But I have to stop and wonder, when was the last time my faith inconvenienced me? When was the last time my faith inconvenienced me? How often does that happen that that our faith inconveniences? When When was the last time I really felt like I'm following a homeless man? Because that's what Jesus says here. I'm a homeless man. If you're following Me, you are following a homeless man. When was the last time I really felt like I was living my life devoted to a guy who doesn't have a home? Every now and then, every now and then, your faith ought to inconvenience you just a little bit. Every now and then, your faith ought to make you a little uncomfortable. The things that you do, the things that you don't do, the things that you withhold for yourself... It ought to inconvenience you and make you a little uncomfortable, cause you to go without, give a little bit more, serve a little bit more, go a little more hungry. every now and then you've got to show this world who's boss, and you got to show this world I'm not following after you, but instead you're following after Jesus because this world's priorities are not my priorities. this world's priorities can't be our priorities. instead, as I follow Jesus, as I follow Jesus, his priorities become my priorities his priority becomes my priority the second encounter in this passage is the one that we focus a lot of our attention on and we seem to give it the most attention it says in verse 59 to another he said follow me but he said lord let me first go and bury my father and jesus said to him leave the dead to bury their own dead but as for you go and proclaim the kingdom of god jesus comes off very harsh with this, and, and it's even a, a little unfeeling and a, and a little confusing. I mean, it's bad enough he won't let this guy go home to his dad's funeral, right? Won't let him go home to his dad's funeral. But then he says, let the dead bury their own dead? How does that work? How, how does a dead person bury another dead person? How does the dead bury their own dead? I used to have this job. And, uh, and in this job that I had, one of the things I did was I sold, I sold mouse poison in this job, okay? And uh, this was a long, long time ago. I used to, and I would sell mouse poison. People would come in, you know, you could always count on the times of year they'd come in, and they'd want this or they'd want that. And we sold this special kind of mouse bait. It's called bar bait, you know, and we, we sold this stuff. And people would come in and they would ask all kinds of questions, like, what happens if my kid gets it? Like, don't let your kids get it. Don't you know, Keep your kids away from it. It's poison, you know, like, keep your kids away. But I had a guy come in one day, and he said, "How does it work?" And I was a little bored at the time. And when I'm bored, sometimes I just make stuff up, just to see how far I can go. And he, he asked me, he's looking at this mouse, but he's like, "How does this stuff work?" And I said, "It's a depressant. It makes the mouse really sad." And he goes outside, digs a hole, lays down, and it covers himself up and dies. Now, don't tell my boss I did that. You know, if you see the guy who was my boss back then, don't tell him I did. But I would, you know, just just want to see if I could get away with it. Is that what Jesus means? Let the dead bury their own dead. Is that what he's talking about? No, it's a, it's a question of priorities, and and it is a cultural thing also. More than likely, this man's father is not laying at home dead. Okay. The culture of that day, if you were the oldest child, if you were the oldest son, it was your responsibility to stay home with your parents. Wouldn't that be great? You stay home with your parents and you would see them through the end of their life. You would make sure that they were taken care of and then you would of course after they passed you would bury them that was the responsibility of the oldest child so most likely this man's father is not dead maybe even nowhere near dead but it is his responsibility to spend the remaining years of his father's life with him so that he can bury him on top of that culturally and well in that particular climate you didn't just bury someone back then you would bury them in a tomb like we saw Jesus you know at After the crucifixion, Jesus is buried in a tomb. You would bury them in a tomb, and then you had to take care of the body. You had to do the spices and all of that stuff, keep the smell down. And then after a year, in that dry, arid climate, you would come back, and you would collect the bones, and you would put the bones in a smaller box called an ossuary, and then you would put those bones somewhere else. So, burying your father is not the same as saying, I need the afternoon off for a family funeral, he is saying, I have this lifetime, lifelong commitment that will take several years to fulfill. We put all the attention on the funeral here. We put all the attention on let the dead bury their own dead, and we we miss Jesus' emphasis. Jesus says there in verse 60, he says, Leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. See, that's what Jesus was doing. That's Jesus' first priority to proclaim the kingdom of God, to proclaim something different from this world, from this life. You go back into the first part of Matthew, Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, and Jesus is just starting his earthly ministry. And what does it say? It says, From that point on, Jesus went on and preached the message repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. A little later, in, uh, in the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 16, verse 16, Jesus refers to His message as the good news of the kingdom of God. So if we're following Jesus, His message becomes our message. You go and preach the kingdom, He says. Proclaim the kingdom. His priority becomes our priority. We're not going to concern ourselves with the temporary things of this world. We are going to let the people who are part of this world concern themselves with them. Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom. The dead he's speaking of, obviously it's not the physically dead. It's the spiritually dead. The, those whose lives revolve around this world. You're called to a higher, to a higher calling. You're called to, to more important things. To a, the kingdom of God. If this world doesn't hold our attention, then it shouldn't be our priority. So don't run after those things. Don't desire those things. Don't find your hope in the things of this world. Instead, when I decide to follow Jesus, my commitment to Him changes the direction of my life. It was back there in verse 23. Jesus said, if anyone would come after Me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow Me. And again, like I mentioned last week, this was a full year before the crucifixion when Jesus said this a whole year before the crucifixion how did they take that statement take up your cross and follow me how did they hear that from a cultural point of view in their culture if you had picked up a cross you knew where you were going you were going to die you're not going to pick up that cross and say can we stop for ice cream on the way No, you're not stopping for ice cream. You're not going to pick up that cross and say, "Well, this is fine." But on Monday, I got to go back to work. You know, I, I got to be back. I'll carry the cross over the weekend, but Monday, it's back to work, and I got things I got to do. No, if you're carrying a cross, you are going to your death. You're not going back to your job. You're not going back to the life you knew before. Your your desires have changed. Your priorities have changed. All of that is over. And so Jesus says to this encounter with this guy in verse 61, yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. You farmers have a unique perspective on this, I think. You know, you've, you've seen, in fact, we all do. You know, We've all seen this. We all do that thing. In the, in the spring and summer, you know, when the crops are starting to come up and you're driving along the road and, and you look over and you see those perfectly lined up rows. I, mean, I know you guys get all, you're excited when you see that, you know, and you, you see those perfectly lined up rows. It looks like the, the rows are just running right along your car, you know, you get that really cool effect as they go. And we've all done that and watched the rows go by, you know, just watching those rows go by and then all of a sudden you see that one that just kind of, you know, got a little kink in it. You're in, whoa, what happened there? What did Jim do? You know, what what happened in that row? Well, he got distracted. Maybe he fell asleep. Of course, now you got the robots that drive the tractors for you. You don't have to worry about those things, right? But you know, you think, well, maybe he fell asleep, maybe he got distracted, maybe there's something there that we can't see, or you know, maybe he looked back at that point. You know, maybe he looked back and to see what was behind him. That happens when we lose our focus when we when we look back. We do that spiritually too. We do that in this world as we try to look for the kingdom sometimes that's us sometimes it's other people sometimes it's people around us who who try to draw us back who try to pull us back into those old directions there's a there's a scripture in 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 3 and 4 I love this scripture I want to read it for you though out of a different translation this translation is called the voice it's a It's a new translation and it puts things in some very plain English. This is 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 3 and 4 from the voice. It says, You have already wasted enough time living like those outsiders in society around you. You've wasted enough time living like those people in society. In other words, you know, you've made a commitment to pick up the cross. You're not gonna look back. You've already wasted enough time living like those outsiders in society around you losing yourself in sex, in addictions and desires, in drinking and lawless idolatry, in giving your time and allegiance to things that are not godly. When you don't play the same games they do, they notice that you are living by different rules. That's why they say such terrible things about you. Have you ever had those conversations? Have you ever had those, those conversations? You ever had those questions? Why don't you like to have fun anymore? How come you don't like to have fun anymore? It's Because I'm not looking backwards. Because I'm not going back there. I'm, I'm going in a new direction. Sometimes that's other people. Sometimes it's us. Sometimes we look back at those days and if we're honest, sometimes we kind of miss those days. Sometimes we kind of miss them and we talk about what we used to do and and sometimes we talk about it with regrets and then sometimes we talk about it with judgment we judge ourselves we can't forget what we used to do and we can't forget that we actually enjoyed doing those things and so we ask ourselves the question can God forgive me for something that I actually liked can God forgive me for something that I actually enjoyed doing. And so our guilt and our regrets, they snowball and we keep looking back. We keep looking back at what our sin was and what our lives were. And we give more attention to that, what's behind us, than what's ahead. And Jesus says when we give more attention to what's behind than what's ahead, we are no longer fit for the kingdom of God. Instead, we have to proclaim the kingdom. We have to follow Him into the kingdom. That's a real problem. How do we fix that problem? I know. Fix it with a clamp. You know? We'll we'll fix it with a clamp. We we clamp ourselves to Jesus. And we say, there, Jesus, I fixed it. Now, just take me where you want me. You just drag me along, Jesus. I'm just going to let you take me wherever you want me. That's the problem. It's not a a problem to be fixed. It's a commitment to be lived. It's, It's what Jesus is talking about there in verse 23 of picking up your cross daily. Did you, did you catch that? He said, pick up your cross daily and follow Me. It's one thing when there's that one day when you pick up the cross. That one day you pick up the cross and you follow Him to the hill where they're going to nail you onto that cross. This is something completely different. Daily, you pick up that cross and follow Him. Not just one time. Not just one little commitment. But daily, you lay down your lives. Daily, you lay down your priority. Over and over again, we make that commitment to set our face to Jerusalem and follow Jesus. When we do that, there are times There are times when you're going to feel like a failure. There are times when I feel like a failure and I think, you know, I've, I've screwed up again. I got my priorities out of order and I look back at that old life. I look back at it again and again and I screwed up and maybe... Maybe there's times when we don't just look back, but we go back rather than run away from our failure. We hit it right on the head and we come back to Him again and again. We come running back to Jesus. We pick up our cross today, tomorrow, the next day, again and again. And we come to this table again and again. And coming to this table is a reminder for us that It's not about everything that I've gotten right. You know? It's not about, well, I finally did it right. I finally got it right. It's not about all the stuff that that I've done this week that was right. It's about what He has done for me. It's about what He gave up for me. and Not about what I am doing for Him. I I can't cling to Him with a clamp. I can't approach Jesus and say, I will follow you. There, I fixed it. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't... Stay fixed. But when I recognize the body that was broken, when I recognize the blood that was shed, when I recognize what He did for me, He doesn't say, there, I fixed it. He says, there, it is finished. It is done. It is complete. That's why we come to Him. This week, there's going to be times when you're going to have to turn yourself around (laughs) because you're looking back or Other people are making you look back. This week, there's going to be times when you're going to have to say, is this really my priority? Or is following Jesus my priority? Is this temporary thing that in five years, in five days, isn't going to amount to anything, is that a priority? Or is something eternal, the kingdom of God, is that my priority? The answer's already been given for us. He gave His life for us. We give ourselves back to Him. Let's stand together.